0: tend to live in a a constant tension between the world in which we live and the Christ in whom we believe. And the reason for that tension is that we we have competing value systems. You know, the world pretty much encourages us to live by the value of whatever is best for me. Uh, A lot of people make happiness their ultimate value. Whatever makes them happy is good, whatever diminishes their happiness is bad. So happiness usually uh, defines itself as how much we can accumulate, how far we can advance, or how many of our desires we can fulfill. And in the midst of that, Christ challenges his people to live by different values. Those values, the Bible tells us, are shallow and superficial. They are temporary. Whatever happiness the world may give, the world can also take away in the next moment. And so Christ encourages us to live by different values. Things that are eternal. Things like faith, hope, and love. And the Christmas season is a time when this tension between these value systems comes very much into play. Christmas was created to be the celebration of the holy day of Jesus' birth. But the world has changed that holy day into a holiday. And do you know what the difference is between holy day and holiday? You change the Y to I. You change you to me. See, that's the difference. The holidays are about what we can do for our enjoyment of the season. How many things we can be part of. How many gifts we can give. How many gifts we can get. But as Christians, we want to maintain Christmas as a celebration of the holy day of Jesus' birth. And to help us do that I wanted to focus in for the next few weeks on just exactly what it means. And the story of Christmas is found in Matthew and Luke. But the meaning of Christmas I think is best found in a single verse in the Gospel of John. So I'm going to call this series The Meaning of Christmas in one verse. It's a verse that you probably know. A verse that you may have learned as a child. A verse that you may have recited dozens of times. But I found that sometimes the familiarity we have with something can diminish its impact. The verse is John three, sixteen. And before we go any farther... We can read it or say it together if you happen to know it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That one verse encapsulates the whole meaning of christmas it tells us that jesus is the perfect gift that that love is the perfect motivation that faith is the perfect response and that eternity is the perfect reward i like the way max lucato puts it he says that john 3:16 can be broken down this way he loves he gave we believe we live He loves, He gave, we believe, we live. It doesn't get any simpler than that. That's what they call the gospel in a nutshell. If someone wants to know what this whole Christian experience is about, there it is. And if they want to know what Christmas is all about, John 3.16 gives us that answer. And this morning I want to look at just the first phrase. For God so loved the world. As soon as I was old enough to learn the gospel, the good news, to understand that God sent His Son into the world to uh, die for my sins, for my forgiveness, for my salvation, I mean, the first question that comes to mind is why? Why would He do that? Why would a holy God send His Son? for sinful people. Why would Jesus live a perfect life and then mar that perfection with all of our imperfections? Why would he do that? And the longer I pondered it, and the longer I thought about it, only one answer made any sense. Love. Love is the perfect motivation for Christmas and the only explanation for Easter but let's hold off on that one for about four months okay We'll we'll get we'll get back to that that Easter thing here in a few months but right now I want us to focus on love is the perfect motivation for Christmas that's why God sent his son Jesus to the world now that's fine I can understand that God so loved the world But every time I read that, there's something much more personal that comes to mind. I have another question that I need to ask. God may love the world, but does He love me? Really? Does He love me? And if He does love me, how much does He love me? How far will His love go for me? Is there a point... Where I can be so bad, or I can be so sinful, or I can do so much wrong in my life that God says, you've hit my limit. (laughs) I can't go any farther with you. I can't love you anymore because you've become this way. And those are legitimate questions, and there's a lot of people out there asking those very questions. Every time someone hears somebody say to them, well... Well, God loves you. Does He really? And how far does His love go? Well, here's how I try to explain that or how I understand that in my own mind. God created us all with a free will, right? He gives us the right to choose whether we will love Him, reject Him, or just ignore Him completely. And as an act of free will, if I were to look up to heaven and say, God, I hate you. I don't want you in my life. I don't want your presence in my life. I don't want anything to do with you. Do you know how God would respond to that? He would look down at you and say, I'm sorry that is your choice, but no. I will not honor that request. I will not stop loving you, even though you ask me to. And the reason is, uh, well, John gives us it in his in the first letter that he wrote toward the end of the Bible. He wrote these three little letters. And in 1 John 4, 7, it says, Let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, for God is love. You notice it doesn't say, for God loves, but God is love, which means that love is the, of the essence of the core of God's nature. It's who He is. And He has to be true to Himself. And since God is love, He couldn't stop loving me even if He wanted to. You want to know if there are limits on what God can do? Yeah. He can't go against his own self. He can't violate his own nature. And if his nature is to love, then God loves me in spite of me. Think about it this way. Think, Think of the worst person who's ever lived in the world. The absolute worst person who's ever lived. Now, as soon as I wrote that, the first name that came to my mind was Charles Manson because he's been in the news lately. Charles Manson passed away here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, (laughs) A lot of people echo that sentiment, but it's not a good one. I'm going to tell you why. Because... uh, I was, uh, let's see, 16, I was 13 years old when Charles Manson and his cult group committed these horrific murders and I was sent to prison and spent over 45 years in jail until he just passed recently. And a lot of people feel the way some of you echoed that, you know, the world is a better place because <laughs> he's not in it. But you want to know who was sad at Manson's passing? God. Because whether you like it or not, God loved Charles Manson. And he grieves his passing because that means there is no longer a chance for him to repent and to turn his life to him. A soul has been lost for eternity. And that grieves the heart of God every single time. Why? Because he doesn't just love the world. He loves you. He loves me. Look around you. Every person you see, love, 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 love. (laughs) You could travel this world over for the rest of your days and you could never encounter a person and say, oh, God don't love that one. (laughs) I finally found one God doesn't love can't do it because there aren't any and that includes the bad people that includes the the awful people God loves them because his love is boundless and that's who he is now here's the kicker to that that sounds pretty good so far I'm, I'm all with that God loving everybody okay I'm good but As soon as I understand that, it means that I have a responsibility now. I call myself a Christian. I call myself a follower of Jesus Christ, who is one with God. So if God is love, guess what Jesus is? Love. And if my Lord and Savior is love, what do you think I have to do? I have to love that way too. I have to be willing to love the people around me, even the bad people, even the ones that drive me crazy. I don't get to make exceptions because he doesn't. And those aren't my words, those are his. In John 13 35, Jesus said, By this all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. What's the mark of being a Christian? Is it that you carry a good Bible? That you pray before you eat? That you go to church on Sunday? love one another. So that's how they're going to know. And you know, I read a lot of things about people who aren't Christians, about especially the millennial generation who's kind of turned their back in large measure on, on the church. And their greatest indictment of the church and why they say they don't want to be part of it is not because of our theology. It's not because of our form of worship it's because they say you don't really mean it when you talk about God's love because we don't see the Christians in our lives loving each other any better than the rest of us do and if that's what it's all about and that is what it's all about then we're not doing a very good job and the reason the world is not coming to Christ is because they don't see Christ in us. And until they do, we can preach all the sermons we want. We can plan all the services and programs we want. But until they see Christ in the people who claim to be his followers, they're not coming. Now, I call, I call that verse an ouch verse. <laughs> because it hurts to be reminded of that and it's painful to be reminded of how many times I haven't done that but you know every once in a while I get it right last Friday um, Sue and Becky and I went shopping and as we got out of the car and headed up toward the store there's a lady coming toward us uh, carrying a child on her hip. You, you women amaze me that you can do this kind of thing. I mean, I mean, this was a pretty good-sized child, but she had it. And then she had a big old uh, box with a bag over it, trying to grip it over here. And she was a fairly petite lady. She didn't have very big hands. And you could tell this was a struggle to hold this child and carry this bag. And when she got to about where we were, she kind of put the bag down on the parking lot because she was going to drop it. Now, I normally don't approach women in parking lots, because it's just not, it doesn't work too well anymore. But since my wife and daughter were right there with me, I thought, I'm going to be considered fairly safe. So I walked over to this young lady and said, can I carry that for you? And she said, would you please? (laughs) Um, She did look up and see my wife and daughter and go, okay, he's okay. Okay. And I carried it about halfway down the parking lot to her. She thanked me. I walked off. And my thought was, thank you for letting me get it right today. (laughs) There have been so many days I haven't. There have been so many opportunities just like that. I'm too busy to see them. I'm too busy to... To act upon them. I, I just go through life with my blinders on sometimes. You know, this is what I got to do. This is where my focus is. And there are people all around me who need to just see a little glimpse of God's love. And the other thing involved in that story is I had my new church sweatshirt on. And I got to tell you, when I put that church shirt on, I become keenly aware that I'm a walking billboard for Christ and His church. I'm telling the world I believe in Jesus and I'm part of His church. And if I'm going to wear that shirt, I better get it right. <laughs> when I have an opportunity to show some love and kindness, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not talking about great, big, enormous acts of love. I, I, just the little everyday things, random acts of kindness we often call them. Carrying a bag in a parking lot took me three minutes. But it makes a difference. So this Christmas season, I want us to really focus on the fact that love was the perfect motivation for God to send his son to us. And love needs to be our motivation for the way we live our life each day. To show each other the love of God by following Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that you love us. I really don't understand it to this day how you could love me the way you do. Love love us so much that you would send Jesus to die for us. But Lord, as we enter this Christmas season... May we enjoy the parties and the programs and the family gatherings and the giving gifts and receiving gifts and all those things. But at the end of the day, may we understand that it's all about love. The love you have for us and the love we have for one another. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And here's the best part, you can't do anything I just said on your own. You can't love people with God's love if you don't have Christ in your life. Because He's the source of that love. Remember we said that's the essence of His nature. And so by inviting Him into your heart, you allow yourself then to be able to not only receive His love, but to give it. So the first step is here. If you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come to embrace His love for you by receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. And then once you've done that, then you can do what we've been talking about. You can become an an agent of that love to share with one another. I invite you to come as we stand and sing hymn number 634.